Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It is Monday, and you know what that means. Another edition of the Helipod dropping as we speak. Things slowly but surely getting back to normal across the country. I'm sitting here in California, and today's guest joins us from South Florida, Western Florida, uh, near Fort Lauderdale to be exact. He is Reggie Wayne, six-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, 10th all-time in NFL history with 1,076 receptions and 10th all-time in receiving yards with 14,345 yards, one of the best to ever do it. Played, of course, his college football at the U. Uh, It was an incredible collection of talent. That's one of the things we're going to get to uh, in today's podcast for four, five years. They had three, four, five, six first round draft picks. It was an absolute insane collection. Santana Moss, Ed Reed, Mike Rumpf, Dan Morgan, uh, Willis McGahee, Andre Johnson. It was just, it was stupid how much talent they have there. And then he of course begins his career and ends his career in Indianapolis with the Colts has some great Peyton Manning stories, including a little shoving match on the sideline he got into with Peyton Manning and then uh, actually wrapped up his career with the Patriots in the preseason, thought he would get one more year in there and then had to walk into uh, Bill Belichick's office and just say, you know what? I'm done. My mind's done. My body's done and it's over. So uh, Reggie Wayne is going to get into uh All that and a whole lot more. Also talking a little bit about a uh, new podcast that he's doing with Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder and Brandon Marshall called I Am Athlete. Uh, It's actually pretty cool. They have some some great stories between the four of them there when they sit down there and just just chop it up. Reggie Wayne, our uh, latest guest on this edition of the Helipod presented by Viore, starts now. All right, this is uh, one of the all-time great wide receivers in NFL history, Reggie Wayne, and a good buddy of mine from uh, his NFL Network days. And down there, where are you exactly? I know you are kind of like, what, West Fort Lauderdale, Miami-ish area? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in, in, in Lauderdale. I'm West. I'm, uh, I'm in Western Florida. That's where you can find me. You know, if it wasn't raining today, I would have had a nice little backdrop for everybody to see. The sunshine, where it was sunshine, and uh, all the palm trees, you know. They say you got to bring the beach to you, right? I get it. No, I, hey, man, you know, I lived down there for a little while, but you also have to be prepared for the rain almost every day when that uh, when the summertime rolls around, right? You do, and it's getting close to hurricane season, so that's why you got to enjoy it. Oh, well, of course, hurricane season is uh, near and dear to your heart, my friend. Uh, I'm glad you caught that. (laughs) Well, that's where I want to start because, you know, the draft wasn't that long ago. And Alabama, again, had four players drafted in the first round. 
and the year before they had three and then the year before that they had four that's a pretty great run right four three and then four first round draft picks then i go back to when you played and as you know i was a young pup sportscaster in west palm beach covering those hurricane teams and you were drafted in 2001 one of four first round picks for the canes that year the next year they had five first rounders the next year four first rounders and then in 04 they had six first rounders the collection of talent reg on that team was absolutely off the chain i mean it was what was it like to come from louisiana and be a part of a program like that where you knew that there were going to be 30 40 guys on that team that you would be seeing in the league well first and foremost when i took my recruiting trip visit there um the one thing that Miami did that all the other schools that I went to didn't do, there was it was a family, it was a brotherhood. You can feel that, right? And when I say it was a brotherhood, everybody went out together, right? Didn't matter if you were black, white, green, red, blue, everybody went out together. O-line, receivers, running backs, we all went out. So we actually got a chance to see the whole team together and how they all vibe together as one, right? So that was the one thing that I realized when I went there. And then when I all of a sudden commit to Miami and get there and I see all the talent around, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to pick my game up ASAP else I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be cheerleading for four or five years, you know what I mean? But just having those type of guys around you, they challenge you. They, they make you put your best foot forward because if you don't, then they'll let you know. That was one thing about them, that group of teams. We always held each other accountable. And whenever somebody seemed like they was kind of, you know, messing around and wasn't putting their best foot forward, we'll let you know about it. And if not, we're going to continue to let you know it. And it can get a little worse after the days go by. How did you balance out going to college in Miami and playing football for Miami? Because that doesn't seem easy. You know, it, it's, it's not what you think. It, it, at least when I was in school, okay? So when I was in school, we all said to each other, we was like, to go on places like South Beach and things like that, you had to have money, right? We ain't had the money. You know, you, you got to pay $40 just to valet park in the front. You know, like a college student, we need that $40, you know? So we either did everything on campus or we went as far as Coconut Grove, which is a couple miles up the road, right? So sure. that was kind of our domain. That's what, that was our perimeter. And um, it wasn't hard, man. It is what it is. Like, it was one thing, if you can, if you went there, to get an education and play football and you kind of got side sidetracked and lost your vision then like I had like a baby Andre Johnson behind me and if he was getting on the field I knew I wouldn't go see the field again you know what I'm saying so <laughs> I had to stay focused at all times because the guy behind me is probably better than you and you're gonna end up losing your job oh you come on man you guys had money coming in from somewhere it was Miami uh, you know not what you think you know it's not what you think. We didn't have that kind of money. <laughs> you you talk about Andre Johnson be, be, being behind you. You had, you had Santana Moss that was drafted that that same year as you. Uh, yeah. The next year it was Shockey and Ed Reed. Mm-hmm. You, you were a four-year starter, though, for Miami. You, you set the school record for catches. Um, yeah. What was it about coming in there from Louisiana that that enabled you to get on the field so quickly? Well, the thing about it is when we first got to Miami, Miami was on probation. So we only had about 
six scholar, 16 scholarships, maybe t- between 12 and 16 scholarships. That's all we had. Right. So when we got there, right, it was already, you know, the depth chart, it wasn't where all the other schools were. So we got a chance to play a little early. Um, there were three senior, uh, three juniors in front of us um, playing receiver. Uh, but we came in a little bit more hungry. You know, those guys kind of looked at it. It was all four true freshmen behind. They kind of felt like they had it, you know, kind of locked in. And we kind of took it more serious. Our receiver coach at the time was Curtis Johnson, which is the receiver coach for the New Orleans Saints right now. He, he said, hey, he going to play the best guys. So we came in with a chip on our shoulder. We tried to find a way to play. And that first year, we struggled. We went five and six. And, uh, but we was able to grow together. And that's kind of what the deal was. We was able to play all those years together. You kind of hear all this noise. The wind is kind of picking up out here. But that's the hurricane. Here. It's all good. You know, but it, um, it was fun, man. Once we got in there, I started since game two in my freshman year. I was the starter. You know, after the first game, they saw how much I was hustling and blocking and doing all that, and I never looked back. So, in 2001, you were getting ready for the draft, and you go to the Senior Bowl. And this is one of my favorite Reggie Wayne stories because you get there, and what happened? <laughs> Man, I get there, and my equipment didn't arrive, right? So – I'm looking at all these players, you know, I'm looking at Ladanian Tomlinson, um, you know, Cedric Wilson from Tennessee, you know, um, mm-hmm. all these guys, they're wearing all their equipment. And I'm like, where in the hell is my equipment? So I didn't get my equipment. So the first two practices I had a, believe it or not, I had Florida, somebody from Florida State, I had his shoes. I had a <laughs> Pittsburgh steel a helmet without the decal. I had green, uh, green base shoulder. Like, I was all over the place. I was like a, a, a player on a video game that you had to make. And this was not the dude that you wanted to be. So that first couple of days, I was slipping all over the place. Just didn't feel like myself. But that third day, Dan, when my equipment got there, it was like Superman, baby. It was like Superman. I got – man, they knew I was ready. When I got out there, I was – it was like all of a sudden I can be myself. I had my, my UM helmet on, you know, going up against the best. They knew Miami that day. I, I, I wanted all the smoke. I wanted everything that day. And that, believe it or not, at the time, before the Senior Bowl, I was projected to be maybe a you know, middle second, maybe third rounder. Right. But after that third day when I got my equipment, my performance in the Senior Bowl got me drafted first round. And I knew I had did good because when the game time came, like Jesse Palmer, that was, my, that was one of my quarterbacks. He was actually my favorite quarterback in, 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 in the Senior Bowl, right? Florida Gator, believe it or not. Um, when the game time came, I told them, don't throw me a ball. Don't throw me a pass because I can't do nothing but hurt myself right now. <laughs> I don't want a pass. Throw it to everybody else. I'm good. I'm just going to block. Well, they always say, Reg, that the most important part of the Senior Bowl are the practices leading up to the game, and the game doesn't really matter at that point. So you had two crummy practices. You're, you're basically wearing like a, like a goodwill of, of football uniforms because you have everybody's uh, gear on, and then you got your stuff, and there were a couple of one-on-ones because you were doubting yourself a little bit, right? And, and I know that you always felt a little bit overlooked. You know, you, 
even when uh, you came out in the draft, it was, it was Tana that was drafted a little bit higher. And, you know, you just – you always play with the chip on your shoulder. But there were some one-on-ones that you remember specifically when you torched a couple of dudes. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm going up against, you know, all the top guys, right? You know, you're talking about Fred Smoot. You're talking about Ken Lucas. Um, the White Smith. I mean, you, you know, Raymond Wall. Like, we went up – this was all the best guys of that year. And um, I remember uh, Fred Smoot was one of the top guys, which is a good friend of mine. And uh, I remember we did the weigh-ins, right? So I get up there and I weigh, you know, Reggie Wayne, you know, 185, whatever. Fred Smoot gets up there and he, and it says, Fred Smoot, 169. I said, damn, he's small. <laughs> you know, but, he had a, so, but he had a big ass mouth to make up for it. <laughs> you know, so when 101s came, all of a sudden, and, and I had my gear on, right? Everybody wants to go deep and show their speed and this and that. And I knew my speed was okay. You know, I was cool. I ran a 448, 446 you know, uh, at my pro day, but uh, I didn't want that, right? So I get up there and they basically ask you what you want to run. I say, I want a slant. It looking like a slant, like, yeah. Cause I look up there and the next person is Fred Smoot. He's wearing 169, right? I'm just going to throw him out the way. And that's how I looked at it. You know what I mean? So um, I get up there, ran the slant. Next play, next time I go back up, they say, what you want to run? I want to run a slant. I ran all short intermediate routes for my first four reps, just so they can see that I was a physical receiver. Um, and I didn't see none of that. I didn't want to run deep. I, I just, I like, you know what? Y'all can go ahead and burn those calories. I'm gonna work up in this area right here. That that was my that was my spot. But man, I I uh, you know, I had I had a damn good senior bowl. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it it worked out pretty well for you. You know, projected second round draft pick. You move into the first round, the thirtieth overall pick of the Colts. And at that time, Peyton had been there for a couple of years. Uh, they had come off back to back playoff appearances. Yep. And you're walking into a wide receiver room with Marvin Harrison, who was coming off of a 1,600-yard season and a 1,400-yard season. And just his personality in general, he, he's, he has a quiet demeanor, maybe not the most welcoming guy. What was that like to show up in Indianapolis as, as the first-round draft pick and you had Marvin Harrison there? Did he welcome you with open arms or was he a little standoffish? Well, first of all, it was it was it was somewhat pressure already um, when I first got there. Um, once I was drafted, they flew me in. Uh, shouts out to you know Jim Mercy put me on this private jet from New Orleans, flew me in, and then I got in the helicopter from that from the airport. So they, you know they did the first class for me. Uh, but I got there, I immediately felt heat as soon as I walked through the door, and no players are even there at the time. And the heat I felt is at the time my head coach was Jim Moore. Sure. And Jim Moore, yeah, you know, the whole playoffs, all that is Jim Moore. <laughs> so, um, Jim Moore, it was speculation that Jim Moore didn't want to draft me. He wanted defense because defense was struggling. He wanted defense. He didn't want me there. So uh, I already felt a little heat from that, you know, and then we move on to when I first met Marv, I, when I first had my first, conversation with Maul, it was at my locker. His locker was right next to mine. 
we went in numerical order. You know, I was 87, he was 88. Mom sitting by his locker. He wasn't saying nothing. So I'm like, should I break the ice? Should I, should I, you know, say what's up? You know, so I kind of looked over at him. You know, I say what's up, you know, Marvin Harris. I said his whole name, his whole government name, like I was a CIA. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's I'm like, what's up, Marvin Harris? You know, I'm Reggie. Um, they drafted me, man. Uh, I just want to let you know, man, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Ma looked at me, he was like, all right. That's all he gave me. That's all it. Right. That's it. So I was like, well, if it means anything to you, you know, like I'm going to come and do what I got to do, man, to help get some of this double coverage off you. Looked at me again and said, we'll see. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You know what I mean? Because you got that, you know, Ma probably had to seen so many guys come and go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, you know, and I've been in his shoes before. You know, you're a receiver. You're the, the number one guy. And then they go out and, and, and draft the first rounder at your position. You, you might feel a little heat. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, for the first couple years, you know, me and Ma, we didn't say much. But then once he got to see the way I worked uh, and, and I was a grinder, then he kind of opened up to me. You, you started slow, Reg. I mean, you didn't have – a thousand yard season until your fourth year and that that first year just 27 catches 345 yeah. yards I think you had missed a few games because of a high ankle injury what what was going through your head during that time you're coming in as a first round pick from the U were you doubting yourself if you were if you were ready for the spotlight no I wasn't I'm gonna tell you my rookie year Right, summer, you know, uh, practices and you know, OTAs and all that kind of stuff. I was balling, Dan. I was rolling. Training camp came around, we was rolling. We go up, and at this time, we were still in the old division. So, I was, you know, Indianapolis was in with, with New England, the Jets, the Dolphins, and Buffalo. Right. We had a joint practice against the Tennessee Titans. And I mean, they had all the legends, you know. Uh, Steve McNair, Eddie George, Frank Wycheck, Blaine Bishop, you know, Derek Mason. Like, they had some guys, you know, uh, Javon Kirst. Uh, so I'm sitting up there, I'm like, damn, I'm going up against, like, a Pro Bowl team, you know. And I was balling, balling, right, <laughs> to the point to where Eddie George, Steve McNair, God bless the dead, uh, Blaine Bishop, them guys came up to me, uh, even Samara Rowe was there. They came up to me and was like, hey, you're going to be all right, man. You're pretty, you pretty damn good. So they already put me on. Hey, Dad, I'm feeling it now. Oh, hell yeah, you are. I'm rolling, you know what I'm saying? So, and then we get to the game. We get to the game, and I, uh, I had 97 yards in the, in the preseason game. Now, I fumbled on a, on a one-yard line. I, I actually did. That's you know not I mean? good. But, but that's not good. But everything else, I was rolling, you know what I'm saying? And um, – that next week, we have practice, and at the end of practice, we're going up against the number one defense. Now, I'm in there with the ones, right? Right. Going up, and, and um, we're going up at the end of practice. It was ones against ones. We had four plays. Whoever scores didn't have any conditioning after. You know, if offense score, we didn't have any conditioning. If defense stops us, you know, vice versa. Right. We score on the first play. Right? Jim Moore didn't like that. You know, he's a defensive guy. He said, do it again. Right? We go up there, we score on the second play. 
He said, God damn it, one more time, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. He's, changing, he's changing the rules up as you go? Exactly. So we're like, all right, well, we'll score again, right? So the next play, we throw a tight post on the 10-yard line. I catch the pass. The defensive back falls on my ankle. Oh. Right? I end up having a high ankle sprain. Now, the practice should have been over two plays ago. All right. Jim Moore wants to keep it going. And from that point on, that high ankle sprain stayed with me all season. Mm. I was, so I missed the first game. And it's crazy. The first game we played against the Jets, against my old teammate, Santana Moss, he was hurt also. Right. right. And uh, it just it, it stuck with me all season. And that's why my first year I struggled. And then they bring in the next year, they bring in Kadri Ishmael from free agency. Now nah, I'm pissed. Now I feel like I, they're disrespecting me now. You know what I'm saying? So I got to pick my game up. So I balled that year. And, um, you know, even though I was a third receiver, I did enough. That's the same year Marvin Harrison broke the record, you know, right. catches in the season. But I still felt like I was able to show what I, was, what I can do. And then after that, that's when, Coach, you know, Tony Dungy, he met me in the hall, you know, my third year. And he said, now it's your turn. Now you're ready. So from that point on is when I turned up. That, that second year, you had 300-yard games, and then the third year is when you became a, a full-time starter for the first time. And yep. then the fourth year is when, is when you blew up. You had a career at 12 touchdowns. You had a 1,200-yard season. Um, it, what was the welcome to the NFL moment? Was it in the first year? Was it in the second or third year? Um, it, was, it was the first year. You know, yeah. funny story is one thing about me uh, that what they were saying about me in the draft, they were saying that I had great hands and I run great routes. My first, now remember I told you I was already feeling a little heat from the head coach. Sure. My first two catches down, uh, passes, I dropped. Straight in the hand, perfect. Might have been the best passes Peyton man ever threw. These were actually spirals, right? You don't throw me in spirals. So, so is this in a game or is this in practice? This is in practice. This is okay. like one of the first couple of practices. Okay. And um, I'm like, oh, shit, like, I'm in trouble. Like, and, I, and I looked over at Jim Moore, and Jim Moore looked at my teammate, which was also my teammate in college, Edrin James. Looked at Edrin James, and he said, what the hell? I thought he had hands. I thought he can catch, <laughs> right? So I'm like, oh, man. So I like, and then I see everybody looking at me scouts, everybody, and that's when I said, you know what? Welcome to the NFL. Pick your game up or you're going to be in trouble. Does, is there a time when you kind of connected with Peyton? Because I, I can imagine, even for somebody like you, coming from where you came from and playing with all the great players, that there's something Jordan-esque about Peyton in the way that he studied and wanted – other people around him to step their games up yeah there, was there well, a time when you said okay we're, we're going to be all right or did you doubt you know forming that relationship no I never doubted you know one thing about you know the University of Miami Dan we don't doubt ourselves you know I don't know how <laughs> them guys go at you know at Tennessee oh you know, stop but we ain't doubting ourselves, you know um but what what I did see was his preparation right like you said like the way he prepared was second to none but also what I wanted to be a part of was I would always say, see him 
and Marvin Harrison doing extra. They would stay out there and do extra. Then I would sit back and practice, and I would see him look at Marv, and he'd do something simple as a head nod, and Marv would know what he was talking about. Right. right? But I never really, at the beginning, I didn't get invited to those extra, you know, uh, uh, rep after practice. So, right, I would say, in, in my first year, going into my second year, he started having me come over to those sessions. And that's when I said, man, now I feel like I'm welcome. Now I feel like, like, like everybody else, you know what I mean? And then from that point on, now they say, they always say, be careful what you ask for, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, those extra reps is damn near like a whole nother practice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I remember but from that point on, I'll, yeah, from ahead. that point on, you felt like you were, you were kind of in the inner circle there. Yeah. Exactly. Of, of which of which Peyton was the leader. It's a it's a similar story actually to one that Julian Edelman tells about wanting to work out with Brady in the off season mm -hmm. and actually working his way up. They'd work out for a day and he'd fly himself out. And then you know before it was all said and done, you know Brady was flying him and a bunch of dudes out to you know Montana to his right. place out there at the Yellowstone Club <laughs> so they could work out together. There's a there, there's an interesting story you told about Peyton where you guys got into it on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, during a game in Jacksonville, and and you shoved him. Yeah, that's when I thought I was gonna get cut. Um, yeah, we was playing against Jacksonville. Jacksonville scored with like thirty-two seconds left. Um, we basically need a miracle to win. We down by four. Um, and you know, I'm just standing on the sideline, kind of like at the fifty-yard line area, and I'm kind of like looking at Jacksonville side, and I'm like you know, looking at them celebrating and we playing at home, you know, and I'm just like, damn, we done lost to Jacksonville, you know, but I didn't know that they were down there as an offense, you know, in a huddle, Peyton's trying to draw some shit up in the dirt, you know, how are we going, how are we going to win this game, you know, and I'm saying to myself, like, damn, what are we going to do now? You know what I mean? So somebody says, hey, Rich, you know, Peyton looking for you, you know, Peyton calling you. So I look down there and I'm not the best lip reader, okay? But I didn't like what Peyton had to say, okay? So, <laughs> so um, you know. Well, give, give, I, give, me an, give me an idea. He's basically probably, is he just calling you out for not being down there with everybody? Yeah, he basically, he basically saying, you know, get your ass down here. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I'm like, wait, like, hold on, man. But it was just like, it was, it was it was just the way he moved, you know. He had, I could see from 20 yards away, he had spit coming out of his mouth. All right, so, you know, I, I just didn't like it, and we was losing. I had like 30 yards that game. I just felt like I wasn't part of the game, you know. So I get down there, and I'm just like, I'm like, you talking to me? What? You know what I mean? And and he said, you know, you heard what I said, and and I lost it. I went I went I went straight Miami style, Dan. I lost it. <laughs> And um, and I and I chucked him, you know. I chucked him and snapped his neck. You know, I probably got something to do with his neck years and years years later. You know what I mean? Like, cause I jolted him pretty good. You know what I mean? Right. So, but you know, everybody broke it up. You know, and and at that time, I didn't think much of it. You know, you know, it was. I didn't know like every camera was gonna be on Peyton at all times. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then um, after the game was over, you know, I take a shower. I'm at my locker all the reporters in front of my locker. I'm like, I turn around as I'm getting dressed. I'm like, why y'all by me? 
and I only had 30 yards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something ain't right. And then, uh, so I turned around and addressed the, you know, you know, the reporters. And the first question was, so Reggie, what happened between you and Peyton on the sideline? I'm like, oh man, oh, man. <laughs> so, you know. You had to like, know that was coming though, man. I, I, you know what is crazy? I didn't. Like, I, I lost it for a moment. And I, I just thought that nobody saw it. You know, I I don't know, man. I wouldn't thank him, but they all saw it. And, you know, I told him it wasn't nothing. And then we met with Coach Dungey the next day and we squashed it. And that was it? That was it. But you know what, though? I think from honestly, I believe, you know, it was two things I thought. I thought I was going to get cut, for one, because I I, taught, I touched Archie's son. And, um, <laughs> and um, Archie's son. <laughs> um, and then it was two. I think in some form of fashion, I, I earned his respect a little bit. When, when you look back, and there were so many great games that you had, and obviously you guys won a Super Bowl together, and um, the way that it ended for him in Indianapolis, when you look back at that, is there any part of that that surprises you, or do you just feel like he didn't really have a choice? Um. I kind of get both sides, but Peyton Manning is one of those guys that, you know, he's a football guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you see him in Indianapolis and in Indianapolis only. Right. You look at it like he's one of those guys that's going to be able to, to write his own, you know, uh, you know, his own slip, you know, hand it to Bill Polian and say, hey, this is when I'm done. You know what I'm saying? But uh, to see him, go out the way he did, that opened up your eyes for everybody. When, you, when we saw that, we was like, you know what? Anybody can get it. Nobody is safe. You know what I mean? Um, so, that, you know, and that's when I knew, like, it, it, you know, my time was coming soon. You know, it, it was already written. So, but, I, you know, I was happy for him. You know, we had, I saw something that a lot of people didn't see. You know, you know we, um, when he was looking for a team, and um, I was actually looking for a team also, um, we had a couple of throwing sessions, just me and him, undisclosed throwing sessions, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I actually saw him throwing pretty good. So I knew he was going to be all right. I really did. And it was just a matter of time of just him finding out what team he was going to. Why did you stay? Man, you know what? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a few reasons, man. Like, it, it's something about finishing where you start, all right? And, and believe it or not, I knew that the coach were trying to get Pierre Garçon more than they were trying to get me to come back. Um, but I wanted to finish up in Indianapolis. I really did. That's where the brand was good. The people showed me love since day one. Um, I enjoyed living there. Um, you know, and you know, and Chuck Bogano was the head coach, the new head coach coming in. Uh, he was my he was one of my college coaches, so I had already had a relationship with Chuck Pagano for like 16 years already. Um, and then you know I talked to Mr. Ursay, Jim Ursay, the owner, you know, and uh, we talked and we kind of you know talked about what was going on. And then the overall thing was, you know, my whole career, people always kind of looked at me saying, "Man, he's only good because of Peyton. Peyton did this. Peyton did that." You know, I, I went back and saw a, a, a TV copy of a game, and um, I heard the announcer say, you know, Peyton throws a ball that catches itself. And I'm like, shit, just <laughs> chop off my damn hands, I guess. You know what I mean? I must have Velcro on me. You know, but um, 
you know, and I wanted to kind of show everybody that I didn't need Peyton. I didn't need a premier quarterback. Now we we drafted Andrew Luck uh, with the first pick, but he was a rookie, and we all know rookies always struggle. So I wanted to kind of be that leader to a guy like Andrew Luck, a T.Y. Hilton, a Colby Fleener, a Vic Ballard. So I'm out there in 2012. We made it to the playoffs out there with all rookies. Dwayne Allen, another tight end. So I kind of wanted to show everybody that I didn't need, I could, you know, a paid man and showing what I can do. And I, I wanted to say I had like 1,500 yards that year. You know, it, it was, it was something that I wanted to make special, and it was a special year. Yeah, 106 catches, uh, 1,355 yards that year. I think that was your second best oh. season from from uh, in terms of catches. Um, yeah. and, and that was Lux. That was Lux rookie year. Um, mm -hmm. One other one other playing career thing before we move on to some other stuff that's going on with you right now. You played 14 years. You played all for the Colts. But you spent a couple of weeks in New England. Yeah. And you, you thought about staying up there for one final season. I believe you signed a contract that was could be worth up to $3 million bucks, And you, you show up late in uh, the pre, about midway through the preseason, late in training camp. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. Um, yeah, you know, I'm still, I was coming off of a tricep surgery. Um, I'm still trying to rehab, get back. Uh, teams were interested, but I was, I wanted to make sure I was ready to go. And then, you know, I'm getting some teams that's calling, you know, you get the Detroit Lions, they call, nobody don't know this, Dan, so you're getting exclusive. Yeah. Detroit Lions, they called, and, um, they want, Detroit Lions actually wanted me to come in and work out. I say, work out. You're the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Wait, work out. I'm good. Like, I can give like, you. I got 14,000 14, 14 yards in my years. career. Right. I got 14 years of working out that you can see. You know what I'm saying? And um, so I was like, nah, cool. You know what I mean? And then New England calls. A couple of other teams call, but New England calls. And um, I'm like, this is going to be. This is going to be interesting. You know what I mean? You know, because at that time of your career, you know, 14 years, you want to go to a contender. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I get there. And, and before I get there, you know, Bill Belichick says, hey, Reg, we gonna, you got to work out. So I say, all right, you Bill Belichick. All right, I'll work out for you. You know, y'all New England. Right. Okay, I'll, I'll work out for New England. So I get out there. They had some other guys there working out. But. I didn't work out with those guys. So I already felt like, okay, this is, this is, this is some ball stuff right here. So I worked out by myself and uh, Tom Brady is the one throwing me the passes. So I went out there and I had a pretty good workout, man. And um, this was the, you know, they ended up signing me third week of the preseason, you know, going into the third week, which is the most important week in preseason. That's when you're, you're basically getting ready for game, you know, uh, transition. And um, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually in the, in the starting lineup, man. You know, I'm in there early. I'm staying up, staying up to, you know, three in the morning, going to sleep, being at the, the facility at seven, seven fifteen. So I'm on four hours of sleep. And then, um, I just, I had no more gas, man. I had no more gas. I was there for two weeks. Um, I was tired. 
I was tired. That whole offseason, I was – you got to think my last two years of my career, I went through my whole career without no major injuries, right? I didn't have – from that rookie year, from my high ankle sprain, I didn't miss a game all the way until 2012, okay? 2013. So 2013, I tear my ACL. And then 2014, I tear my triceps. So my last two years, I have major surgery. So I didn't have any time off because every offseason I was rehabbing. So I, I just had to ran out of gas, man. I was tired. I had already had enough miles on these knees. Um, now, mind you, I had to stay at home that offseason until all the way until August. So I had to become a dad. Now, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time dad seeing my kids, you know, um, you know, I got, I got four boys, man, you know, and I was enjoying it, you know, so I got up to New England. I was kind of missing my boys. I was tired. So, you know, I went up to Bill Belichick. I said, and they're getting ready to do the final cuts. And I'm, I'm, I said, man, before you do anything, you know, that, you know, I don't want you to do something that, you know, you see some potential in somebody as far as receiver and you use a spot on me instead of them, you know? So I said, man, just go on and, cut my water off you know what I'm saying right you know so we kind of went back and forth on that and we had an agreement on that and as soon as it's crazy it was once I left the building the transport company that was transporting my Jeep Cherokee from Florida to you know uh Foxborough they called me it was like hey we'd be there in 20 minutes so I'm like cool right go to my hotel you know I'm in my hotel bags already packed Soon as my truck comes and touched the concrete, I hopped in the Jeep and drove back to Miami. All the way from Foxborough? All the way from Foxborough. I, I made it a road trip. I spent the night in, I spent the night in, in New York. Um, I spent the night in New Jersey. Saw some you know, college friends in New Jersey. I spent the night in Richmond, Virginia. Saw some friends there. Spent the night in Atlanta. And then once I got to New Atlanta, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go home. So I drove the rest from Atlanta all the way back to Miami. And yeah, I just used that, I used that platform of me driving to kind of sit back and think about what my next move is going to be. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. to kind of, I'm by myself. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, bro, like you about to retire. What's your next move? Are you ready? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I came up with a, a game plan on how I was going to start the next chapter of my life. So that must, have been, that must have been very therapeutic to have that time by yourself before you got to be around the family and yeah. see some friends along the way. Yeah, it was. And, and the majority of that ride, believe it or not, Dan, I was in pure, you know, like, no radio, straight quiet. You know, just me in the road. I can hear the tires touching the, touching the cement. You know what I mean? It, just so I can sit back and think. When talking to nobody, when answering no phone calls, you know, my mom was calling me. I just hit her, I'm like, hey, I'll hit you back. You know, I'm thinking, you know what I mean? So it was just mm -hmm. a time for me just to kind of reflect on my career and was it enough? Um, and then at the same time, the next chapter, how I wanted to move forward. Time for a quick break to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Viore the finest performance apparel that you will find anywhere. V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash helipod is where you need to go right now to get 20% off. Shorts, 
t-shirts, sweatshirts, joggers, anything you need, Viore has it. I love the core short. You may love the bank shorts. Everybody's going to love the new Ponto pant and the joggers for men and women. Awesome. I promise you, this is the best material you can find anywhere. The most versatile performance apparel on the market. It's soft, it's comfortable, it's great for working out. I, I wear it all the time. I, when we can travel, I wear it on the road, I wear it at home, I wear it for my HIIT workouts, I wear it for yoga. When I say versatile, I mean versatile. You can use it for anything. VioriClothing.com slash Helipod. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash Helipod for 20% off right now. There was one little piece that I was fascinated by that you left out of the Patriots story. What they, you got? they gave you a signing bonus. And yeah. normally if you're there for a cup of coffee, yeah. you, don't get, you don't get to keep that signing bonus. Yep. But that wasn't the case with you. Well, when I went up to Bill Belichick, you know, um, and Bill Belichick is not what you think. You know, I just think he don't like the media. You know, I actually, every day I saw Bill, he was smiling. He was laughing. Believe it or not, he do have teeth. A lot of people don't think he has teeth. Um, you know, it was a totally different Bill Bell. Now, I had him for Pro Bowl twice. Right. But, you know, everybody at Pro Bowl is loose and having fun. That's a different environment. Sure. Right. Totally different. But uh, in training camp, you know, I was like, damn, Bill Belichick is actually – he's actually a good, a real good dude. Right? I, I, he's just – he's the same dude that I saw in Hawaii for the, for the Pro Bowl. And, um, you know, I, I, I went up to him and I said, hey, this is what it is. I know I got a sign-on bonus. I give it back. No biggie. You know what I mean? Bill Belichick told me to keep it, man. Told me to keep it. I'm like, hey, you ain't got to be my arm back twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he told me to keep it. And, um, and that was love, man. And, and, I, and I always had respect for him. I've, I've heard people and seen stuff that he's done on camera of, of his respect for me. And I, you know, maybe that was just his, his, his sign of appreciation, man. You know, we had a lot of battles against that team, you know what I mean? So um, he told me to keep it. Shit, we kept it in the bank. Hey, I appreciate it. You know, hey, yeah. the best job ever. <laughs> yeah, two weeks and a few hundred thousand dollars. I, I yeah. thought that was a really cool story. And that's what it was. That was just, I think, just a sign of respect from, from Belichick to you. and. Um, you know, uh, then again, it, it wasn't Bill's money. It was uh, Robert Kraft's money. So um, maybe it was a sign of respect from Robert Kraft to you as well. I, I thought that was a pretty neat way to no, end no, your no. career. And that road trip too, man, that's just, I don't think everybody has that, that time to kind of decompress. And I, you know, for so many athletes, obviously money was not an issue for you. You were smart with your money. You have plenty of money to last you and your family a lifetime. But it is a daunting thing to go from being on a schedule and yeah. having decisions made for you to now, like, what am I doing with the rest of my life? And I have well over, you know, half of my life to live. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. So it, it's, believe it or not, Dan, before every season, I always took a road trip. So when I was in Indianapolis, I always drove from Miami to Indianapolis. Right after this, and, and I use that time to think about the goals that I wanted to do for the season, you know, um, you know, as far as individual, right. uh, how I wanted, how I wanted to lead, how I wanted to, to have 
you know, Thursdays when we all go out to eat, uh, you know, Fridays, we just, you know, got, you know, so I just used that as the good game plan on how I wanted the season to roll. And then after the season, I always drove back um, to Miami from Indianapolis through the snow and all that stuff, through Chattanooga, the hills and the mountains and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I always said, I always planned out how I wanted to do my off season, how I wanted my workouts to be, how I wanted, you know, to take trips with the family and the kids, what I wanted them to do. You know what I mean? So I always use that time. So for me, that was normal. You know what I mean? That was normal for me to drive back uh, and, and, and kind of sit back and, and think about the game plan and, think about how I wanted the, you know, my off season to be, but it is, man, it, it is therapeutic. It is a time where I think everybody should kind of sit back and, and meditate, not only in football, just in life on just how you want a game plan and how you want to, to move forward. You know what I mean? So it was awesome, man. It was another day in the office for me. Well, and, and now you, you have uh, some few years of network television under your belt yep. and uh, you were a volunteer uh, assistant coach, and it, it certainly if, if you want to have coaching in your future, um, I think it's going to be there. And yep. uh, and then you just you've started this new podcast that I happen to stumble upon, right? <laughs> and it's called I Am Athlete, and it's yep. really well done. It's you and Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder and Brandon Marshall, and basically yep. you guys are all neighbors, and you just kind of sit around. And I, I noticed I'm, I'm assuming the uh, the social distancing was was, yes. was by design because you, you launched this during the quarantine, basically, right? Yeah, we did. And the funny thing about it, we all stay in the same neighborhood, right? So, and this was early in the, in, in the quarantine period. This was, you know, a month and a half, two months ago, where, you know, everybody's basically trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, you know, we all kind of getting tired of sitting inside, looking at walls, um, and, you know, all the kids are doing, you know, Zoom lessons on the computer and all that stuff. So just so happened, like, and we don't have very many houses in our neighborhood, but it just seemed like that was a busy day for our neighborhood. Everybody was outside doing something, right? So my family, we was out riding bikes. Uh, Fred Taylor was out and he was jogging with his family. Brandon Marshall, who's being lazy, he's on a golf cart <laughs> with his family. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, so... We all kind of met up at one point, and Channing Crowder's also there. We all met up at one point, and uh, we just tried to we picking each other's brain, like, man, how y'all doing during the quarantine? You know, and everybody's like, man, you know, we, we all right. It's getting kind of, you know, it's tough. You know, it's a lot of noise in the house, and, you know, everybody's kind of like, you know, feeling the same, just tired, you know, not knowing, you know, what the future is holding at the time. And... Um, we all said, well, man, we all here, man, maybe we need to do something, you know, maybe we need to, you know, give, give, you know, you know, get together and maybe do a podcast or something. And, you know, and that's when we all like, man, let's do it. Let's do it. And so we kind of thought about it. We said, man, you know, let's think about it for, you know, a day or so and uh, let's get back to with each other and kind of put all our thoughts together. So we came, you know, we made a, a conference call and we said, man, this is what I think it should be. We all kind of had our input. And we started an I Am Athlete podcast that we do every Tuesday night. So tonight at 9 p.m., every Tuesday, I Am Athlete podcast on YouTube. And if you don't know how to do it, just go through the search engine and type in I Am Athlete podcast and it will pop up all the latest uh, all, all the previous episodes are there. 
it's fun, man. It's, it's, it's a podcast where it's not just about sports. It's about everything going on and, you know, in life and today's, in today's news. It's fun, man. It's, we all got different personalities, you know? Uh, so it, it's interesting to see how other guys think about certain issues or uh, topics. And, um, Man, you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss tonight, man. Tonight is special. I'm telling you. So every Tuesday, uh, I am athlete podcast on YouTube. Check it yeah, out. Yeah, I've been listen. I, I've checked out several of them, and I, I find them thoroughly entertaining. You're right; they're very different personalities. You know, you have the NFL Network background. Yeah. Uh, B Marsh has has done plenty of TV as well uh, with Inside yeah. the NFL. Channing, I, I believe, does radio down there in South Florida. He, he, he does radio down here in South Florida. And also Fred Taylor does Jacksonville Jaguar, Jacksonville Jaguars games. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. Right. You know, so, so we all have a little, a little something to give. Um, but it's fun, man. It's entertaining. It's, it's, it's nothing scripted. You know, we go right into it, man, to be honest with you. There's no production meetings or nothing. It, it just go right into it. Um, and, and, and we, t- we, we really just tell them what's on our mind and how we feel. And it's, it, it's fun and it's entertaining and, uh, everybody should check it out. Well, absolutely. I totally concur with that in terms of everybody checking it out. And it, occasionally when you have those just impromptu kind of sessions where you're just chopping it up, you get these yep. really good stories. And one of them, uh, I saw recently was, uh, Brandon Marshall talking about, losing close to $150,000 in Vegas. And he had to get a loan from Jay Cutler for like 60 grand. He just calls him on the phone and Cutler Cutler cuts him a check for 60 grand. And he's like, all right, B Marsh, man, all right. You're going to have to sign something that says you're going to have to pay me back. (laughs) And immediately when he said that, man, it, it was like, it was like, damn, I wonder if Peyton Manning would cut me a check. <laughs> what do you think? Hell no. He go. He go. Listen. You know. You know what? He might do it, but I might get. It, it might be a serious interrogation. It might be a sit down. Just me and him. Nobody's around, and he's going. It's going to be a bunch of why questions. He's going. He's going to ask you about your gambling problem. Yeah, and everything. And he's going to try to get me help and everything, which is cool. Get me some help. And it's go. It'll be to the point, Dan, to where I, I say, you know what, Peyton, keep your money, man. I don't want it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably the difference there between Peyton and uh, and Jay Cutler. Who's the best player you ever played with on any level? Best player. Uh, I'm gonna be a little biased on this one, just because it's more. I saw more than just on the field and all that. So, my college roommate. Uh, also oh, from I, New Orleans. I know Ed, where you're going here. Is Ed Reed, you know what I mean? Um, that played, you know, uh, with Baltimore Ravens Hall of Famer, and my bro. We talk every day. Um, we uh, we came in the University of Miami together in two ninety seven. Now he would have been one of those freshmen starting that year, but we were playing basketball, and he broke his ankle. Oh, I didn't so know had, that. Yeah, so that's the only reason why he reassured you. He was starting. Okay. You know, now, they say things happen for a reason because by him redshirting, it actually gave him an opportunity to win the national championship when they beat Nebraska. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the reason why I say Ed, now we all know, you know, he's a, he's a legend on the field, 
college, you know, college football, All-American, uh, Hall of Famer um, in the NFL. He's, we know what he what he can do and what he done. But I used to come into the apartment and Ed will be watching TV copies of games with no volume. And I'm like, bro, like, what are you doing, right? And he would say, man, I'm just just mentally putting myself in the game and watching the quarterback and the way he moves and looks. You know what I mean? So, like, I've seen him do that so many times, and then all of a sudden you, you, you look at him on the field and you see that he's – the way he's performing and how he's just outshining everybody, it puts everything into light. You know what I mean? And right. he, made, he made me – you know, stepped my game up numerous times um, in college and all that kind of stuff. And it was funny, man. The first time we played each other, uh, when I, I want to say Indianapolis went to Baltimore and we lock eyes, you know, at the line of scrimmage. And the only thing we can do is just laugh. And, 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 and just, you know what I mean? Because, like, man, we – this is what we put all that work in for. This is all the times where we sat back and we talked about making it to the NFL – it was a time where he was in charge of paying for the damn lights in the apartment. He didn't pay the damn lights and our lights got cut off and we sitting up in an apartment in the dark with <laughs> candles and candles just, and, and you know, it was one of those things where he was like, man, you going to leave. And I'm like, when the hell am I going to go? Like, no, I'm, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? And we just sat in, in the dark in our apartment with candles burning and we just talking about, us being NFL players, like what, what you think it would be, you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. we did so much together, man, and, and I see where he come from and how he worked hard and, and, and just had the grit and put all the, you know, the effort into it and to see everything that he's getting, man, is well-deserved. He deserved every bit of it. So that would be the best player that I've ever played with. I, I thought that would be your answer. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I felt like you were making the rounds during Super Bowl week um, because yep. you were a Hall of Fame finalist. And uh, you, you and Ed were side by side during a good portion of that week, smoking cigars yep. everywhere you went. Um, <laughs> what an incredible story, Reggie, just to, to have all those guys that you played with at the U. And you obviously, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of most educated football fans and pundits are going to be in the Hall of Fame here in the next couple of years, man. Uh, it was a pleasure to work with you at NFL Network. And do not be a stranger, man. If you get back out here to L.A. and I find yeah. out you don't give your guy a buzz, we're going to have some issues. Now, you know, you'll be one of the first numbers I call, man. You know, I I, uh, I enjoyed my time with you. I appreciate you uh, in every way. I remember we used to, you know, when I first got there and I sat back and we was in the green room and I was talking to you. You gave me some insight on how to move forward because, you know, it's – you know, when I first got there, man, you know, it was, it was, it was tough. You're trying to talk, you know, on camera and they're in your ear talking to you and all that stuff. And you kind of gave me some insight on, on, on how to move forward with that, man. So I appreciate everything you did for me, bro. And uh, I get to LA soon, man. I get back out there, you know, my frequent fly miles. I still got some left. I get out there. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully when, when you come out here, we won't have to be wearing masks uh, around town and on the, uh, on the oh, planes right. anymore. Right. Um, and, it did, you know, what's nice about you doing this from your backyard, because um, people are going to be watching this on YouTube, but they're also going to be listening to this, you know, on, uh, 
on iTunes and, and Spotify is that it sounds like you're in a rainforest because the birds are chirping in the background. This is all natural. This is all natural. So, you know, it's crazy. I had a, I had a nice backdrop for y'all at first, right? And I was in my pool. I got a table in my pool with the umbrella and you saw the palm trees in the back. And as I'm setting up, I'm like, I don't think this is going to look good because I saw the clouds coming, right? So it started pouring down raining, right? So I had to remove myself from the pool. So now I got this big orange wall back here. But now I'm looking out. When I get done with you, I'm going back in the pool because the sun is out. You heard the birds chirping. You hear the, you know, that's, that's the palm trees. You know, they're making all the noise, man. So it's, it's something about South Florida that gives you that feel. You just, you just can't do without those palm trees. It's a good spot, man. It's a good spot. Reg, you're the man. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time. Always appreciate the stories, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Take it easy.